Hello and welcome to episode 180 of Fergo and the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRP. Join me as always is the glorious League Freak. You can find me on Twitter at League Freak. How you going there, mate? I'm going really well. I'm really excited because we have a very special guest today and it's about a subject you and me both absolutely love talking about. It is. This is about Rugby League Expansion and joining us is CEO of the uh, Brisbane Bombers NRL Expansion Bid uh nick livermore how you going there mate hello gents thanks for having me along on this journey absolute pleasure to have everyone now i'm going to start off straight away you you've been in the news a bit uh this week and for in my view anyway a, a rather tedious reason because people are being somewhat critical of the name bombers um what do you how would you address what those people are complaining about because none of them are bothered from what i've seen to actually ask you about it Look, it's it's obviously a point of contention. Um, it, it continually pops up. I think you've got to go back to 1987 when the Broncos came into the competition and everyone said, Broncos, it's an American horse. We, we don't have those here. You should be the Brumbies before a Bronco. And you fast forward, you know, 30 years and they're one of the most popular brands in, in Australian sport and obviously the most popular and powerful in, in rugby league. So... It, it takes time sometimes to to adapt to a brand, and I'd also say you need some marketability uh, around having mascots and fan engagement and attracting young fans to the game. So you need something that can can be built. And we we chose the Bombers after having a ten thousand person competition with Osterio up here. Um, a lot of names were put forward from the Bengals to the Blue Heelers, um, the Bombers were part of that mix. And we, we sat down and, and had a look at it. And I think the aviation thing works really well. So uh, all I say to people that are critical is give us a chance if we're fortunate to get the license. We've got some amazing concepts to build around the aviation brand. And hopefully, like the Broncos, we can build a history and a heritage that you know, create some emotion um, and memories for people to to align themselves with that Brisbane Bombers name. When you see the criticism that you do get for the name, and like I can see both sides of it. I can see where you pick a name early on and at the very least it's better than saying the second Brisbane team or just one of the Brisbane consortiums that are up for the licence. Everyone knows there's the Brisbane Bombers and then there's three other, you know, consortiums going for the licence. Um do do you find that a lot of the criticism of the name maybe doesn't come from the people that you're actually marketing the team at, like out people outside of Brisbane, people in Sydney, people in the media, not so much the people that will be going to your games and buying the jerseys? Well, I think it's – look, it's a good question. I, I think it's easy to to knock something that doesn't exist other than on paper, and I can I can understand why people you know would have a go at it. I think coming back to it, you, you made the point about the three other consortiums. You're going up against the Brisbane Broncos. And when we launched in 2010, a full decade ago now, we were the Brisbane NRL expansion bid. And if you, you jump on the Brisbane Bombers website or, or Facebook, you'll see the original logos. And it doesn't mean anything. Uh, all it was was a, a maroon and blue logo, a throwback to the old Brisbane colours, and back then in 2010, we were expecting to join the competition or, or hoping to join the competition in, in 2013 uh, under the new uh, ARL commission. So we wanted to move quickly. We wanted to go forward with, with a brand. 
And I think it's worked tremendously well. And it, it, it's already created emotion, you know, both positive and negative. And isn't that ultimately what we want to do in sport is, is polarise people and they're either for us or they're against us, and in which case we don't want you in our camp if you're against us. And, and that will only gain momentum. But I always do come back. You're going up against the Brisbane Broncos and you don't want to be the second Brisbane team. You want to have a powerful brand. We want to get some good signings. And, and you want to have something that creates emotion and inspires and encourages and frustrates people on the other side of the fence. And I think we've done a very successful job in the last 10 years to do that. And hopefully over the next 100 years that the brand continues to do that. Now, I'll take it back to, we'll go back to the very start. Then you said it started in 2010. How, how did the, uh, the Bombers become about? So we had a, uh, a corporate group called the 1980 Initiative, which when Mel Meninga um, and Queensland were, were in their throes of their domination of state of origin, there was a corporate group I put together alongside the former origin greats and the QRL, which was like the thoroughbreds and the Broncos. And, and for people that aren't aware of um, the thoroughbreds, essentially it's a group of high net worth uh, individuals that love rugby league and would go alongside the team and create business opportunities and um, pay a membership fee to be part of an exclusive club that gave them some access into the team. And uh, one of the gents there was looking at uh, the central Queensland Rockhampton bid um, guy by the name of Jeff Murphy. And we got chatting and he looked at um, the opportunity to put a team in Rockhampton and just said, look, I can't see that happening, but why don't you base the team in Brisbane and maybe play a game in Rockhampton once a year? And so started to do a feasibility um, in 2009, 2010 on having a second team play in Brisbane with a greater reach into regional Queensland. And Jeff politely declined and said, no, 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 I want my own team in Rocky. Um, but by then we'd already done all the research and all the numbers pointed to having two games or two teams in a game every week at Suncorp Stadium. And it, it, it evolved from there. And nine months later, um, the Brisbane Bombers came out. And 10 years later, we're hopefully pushing forward for the, the second licence. How many times over the course of that 10 years did you feel like, oh, it's starting now and it just petered out for whatever reason? <laughs> so we had David Gallup, the CEO of the NRL. Then we had interim um, CEO Shane Matiski, and we met with him and both those gents pointed towards uh, expansion. 2013, we met with John Grant and uh, that was pointing towards expansion. Um, Shane Richardson in 2015 was probably the the key point. Um, so just from a expansion perspective, it's generally tied into TV rights. So in 2015, when Shane Richardson was there, um, the TV rights were being negotiated for the 2018 TV deal, which was going to be a five-year stretch. So we felt in 2015 that was our, our best shot. And we went and presented to the NRL um, in early 2015 when Shane Richardson, um, the uh, South Sydney boss who then went into a head of strategy in the NRL, was looking at what the game should be doing over the next 5, 10, 20 years and had a report going into the commission at the end of that year, 2015. It got for, fast forward to September that year and Scott Sattler, our head of football, myself, um, and two of our consortium went and met with Shane Richardson for two, three hours and 
chatted through their their strategy and we came out of that meeting feeling uh, on the back of some encouragement that we were the preferred bid in 2018 was going to be our year. Uh, what ultimately happened, though, the uh, the clubs decided that they uh, needed some, some more funding and the cap um, was increased for a 30% uh, above the cap payment to the clubs, which on a you know 10 million salary cap was an extra 3 million a club by 16 clubs was 48 million. There went the money for, for another team or another two teams. So he got put on the back burner again. Um, and to be honest, it, it hasn't been until Peter Volandis has come along, um, you know, since 2016 that uh, we've had a leader in the game to say, I want another team and we're going to do it. So to answer your question in a long way, I'd say about six or seven times. <laughs> but the big difference with this is I think Peter Volandis and everyone would agree with this. When he says he's going to do something, it just gets done. Mm-hmm. Um, he was laughed at for, for May 28 resumption um, when he came out and said Rugby League will be back, or Rugby League as he likes to call it, uh, will be back on May 28, and it got done. Um, he said we're going to have crowds um, by July, and they've just come out today and said crowds are going to be back in June. Um, he's come out and said I want another Brisbane team. Parking my own bias aside, I will back Peter Volandis in every day of the week. He just gets things done. Yeah, are you worried at all that um, you know the 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 Gold Coast Titans and before then the South Queensland Crushers how those, for lack of a better word, failed experiments have gone? Is does that cause any sort of apprehension? Do you think at NRL headquarters about bringing in another Queensland team? Because as much as they talk about wanting another Brisbane team, they do have those two recent examples to to sort of. Yeah, they're still still in the front of the mind going, uh, do, do you think that's still a bit of a hurdle or not? Well, the, the, the crushers folded 23 years ago, so I'm not sure how far back you want to go, but a lot happens in near a quarter century. So I think parking the crushers off to the side, I mean, there's another million people in southeast Queensland now compared to, you know, 1997 when they folded. So you, you can park that to the side. I think the Titans is is an interesting... Uh, point your race. I mean, from Brisbane, they're 100 kilometres down the road. They've got their um, centre of excellence at Parkwood and they play out of Rabina. Um, there's a big difference for rugby league fan base to start with. Um, Gold Coast, I think, is quite a transient market and tends to move to whatever the hottest ticket in town is. Brisbane is rugby league heartland. And for every Broncos supporter, there's one and a bit more that love the game that don't support them, that are, are crying out to get behind a team. And they may have a team already in the Warriors or the Rabbitohs or the Bulldogs, but they're never going to support the Broncos. So they need an opportunity to come along. And I don't intend to steal fans away from their primary team, but we'll hopefully get their kids. We'll hopefully get them coming along a few times a year. And there's also a, a base, you know, myself included, where I don't have anything against the Broncos. I just don't support them. And if a new team comes in, it'll be completely separate. You know, it won't impact the Titans in any way, shape or form. I don't think anyone's deciding to to drive 120 kilometres to Rabina and go to a game or go to Suncorp Stadium. So, no, I don't think there'll be any impact um, or, or drawback from the Titans. But you can certainly learn a lot from what the Crushers did wrong and what the Titans have struggled with over the last few years. When you look at recruitment, you look at strategy and connecting with the community, and 
growing fan base and members. There's there's certainly lessons to learn, but the the number one um, point is you have to win. And those two teams don't have winning records. You know, the yeah. Titans haven't won a game in over a year. And I think the Crushers won three or four games in their, their final season. Whereas compare that to the Broncos, you know, in the first 13 years, they won five comps. You know, yeah. The very first game, they came out and belted the Premiers by 38 points. So they made a statement from day one, and you need to win. And, you know, that's the start, middle, and end. If you win, you will get the fans. That's a really good point. I've got to say, though, those uh, last three wins by the Crushers were pretty good wins. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, with the moving into the Brisbane market, and obviously you're coming up against, it, it might be the biggest brand in Australian sport. It's definitely one of the top three brands in Australian sport. Um, what have what type of communications have you received from people at the Broncos about what they think about your bid? Have you talked to people there about the market that you're aiming for in Brisbane? Because at the end of the day, if the Bombers do become successful, there is going to be a tension in the market between the Bombers and the Broncos. And that's probably a good thing. We've heard the the Brisbane Broncos before say that they would like another team there, that their market is big enough for it, and that it'll actually help the Broncos as well. Um, but have you had any any talks with the Broncos, and have you had anybody there say to you, like, what's your plans? Where do you look to, to be aiming for in the market? Anything like that? The Broncos welcoming the Bombers is like an only child saying, yeah, I'm happy to share my toys with the new new <laughs> baby that comes in. Yeah. I think, look, the, the Broncos have been around, you know, they came in in 1988, and if we enter the comp in, you know, 2022 or 23, they've had, you know, three and a bit decades to um, own the market. They are right, though. Paul White did come out and say the market is big enough, and, I, from a commercial perspective, you, know, you you look at the Australian landscape, parking, you know, sporting discussions off to the side. Australia is very duopolistic um, in that the majority in any category, there's always two major players. So if it's groceries, you know, it's Woolworths and Coles. If it's pizza, it's Domino's and Pizza Hut. You know, we've had Virgin and Qantas and our market lends itself to two major players and then a number of smaller players in any industry. So, for every Kia on the front of the Broncos jersey, there's another car company that is locked out of rugby league in, in Brisbane. And for every NRMA insurance or First Mac home loan or beer or whatever it may be, there's a major competitor that rugby league misses out on. And it's through no fault of the Broncos. They just can't have everyone. Um, generally in those categories, you have exclusivity. So the market's big enough to support a second business of rugby league. In terms of any discussions, uh, no, um, we haven't had any discussions with the Broncos because we don't have a license yet. And I always maintain there's a delicate balance between pushing yourself into the market and getting the license and actually having it. And the moment we do get the license and hopefully we are the preferred bidder and put our case forward to the commission, that's when you sit down with Paul White and say, how do we grow the game of rugby league? How do we benefit grassroots? How do we get more juniors playing? How do we get more people watching both of us? How do we create more tension so that mum and dad 
one has a Broncos and one has a Bombers jersey on. How do we get kids in the playground, you know, wanting to be a Bombers player or a Broncos player? And at that point, that's where you have that discussion. And, and for the benefit of the game and, and people that genuinely love rugby league, myself included, having that tension and competitive tension between the two clubs is a really good thing. It means that we're going to have a game every weekend. People are going to have a choice. And, you know, it may be that you're sitting on the fence and you've somewhat supported the Broncos and now the new team comes in and you say, well, no, 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 I'm a Broncos fan. I am going to buy a membership because I wasn't doing that or I am buying a jersey and I am going to go to a game because I, I lend myself towards the Broncos. And the Bombers will only lift the Broncos up. It will only push their crowds higher. It will bring more fans into them because now you're on one side of the fence or the other. There's no apathetic fan base. But we need to get that license first. And I think there's a there's a level of humility that goes with that to say, well, no, you're not in yet, guys. Um, you've got to prove yourself. And once you do, then you can have those discussions. Uh, whereabouts would the, uh, the Bombers be planning on basing themselves? So we'd play out of Suncorp Stadium. In terms of training facilities, you don't want a high-performance centre in those first years. Um, you, you want to run on a really low-cost base. They can get quite expensive to, to operate. If you have a look at the Broncos, for example, they've got their Clove Berghofer Centre at Red Hill. Um, they've only been in there now two years. You know, The first 30-odd years of their existence, they ran out of a small gym and one field uh, at Red Hill, and that's all you need. So there's a number of sites that we can utilise. There's um, some existing rugby league fields. Um, there's some educational opportunities around universities um, as well as uh, inner city opportunities. But to be honest, that's not in the top five priorities. You can train anywhere and, and, and share facilities. And there's an argument for, for us to have a look at a number of opportunities depending on when it is. Um, and, and with that, because we've been on a 10-year journey, we've had about 15 different areas that we've looked at. Um, but without some certainty on time frame um, and being the preferred choice, it's it's a little down the list in terms of priorities. Um, but, look, it, it will be something that we will finalise as we get closer into the, uh, the tender process, hopefully, should the commission call for one. Um, but it would be in or around the inner city within about 10 kilometres of the CBD. What type of lead time would be ideal for when you, if a, the green light is given to the Bombers, um, what type of lead time would you like to have between that and the first season is kickoff? Oh, probably about a decade would, would be <laughs> the right amount of time, I'd say. Uh, well, Peter's come out, Peter Volandis has come out and said he's looking at 2022, which means the squad would assemble on the 1st of November 2021. So eight, 18 months to get on the paddock is is probably more than enough. Um, so looking at August, September this year, if you've got a green light from the commission and working back from that, you know, you'd have to be in the mix by July. So that's not too far away. Uh, 18 months, you, you could do it well. Um, we've been quite fortunate with that 10-year lead time. All the structures are in place. So the back of house, commercial, corporate, membership, game day is all set, ready to go. Uh, we've got an amazing GM of football in Scott Sattler, who actually was instrumental in setting up the Titans in those early days. And if you cast your mind back, they signed uh, Cam Campbell, uh, Preston Campbell, mm -hmm. Scott Prince, Luke Bailey, 
Mark Minicello, LaFranchi, Matt Rogers, and they did that in 15 months. So it, it can be done. Um, the longer lead time, obviously, the better. But, again, I come back to Peter Volandis. If he says 2022, you just get ready and go for it. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I've, um, I'm curious about is, um, and I've spoken about it on our podcast before, is I think that the north of Brisbane and heading right up that north coast up to, like, Rockhampton region is – a massively untapped area. And while it doesn't have, like it's not easy to base yourself out there because it's such a massive distance, but I don't know that many NRL clubs are actually trying to tap into the, the players that come out of those regions. I mean, you've had a fair few pretty average and, and decent blokes. Um, there was a, a Billy Slater. Some people may know. Um, he come from out that, that way. He's from Nambour. Yep. Yeah. Um, would you be looking to tap into that market? Cause I'm not sure that the Broncos are, really focusing on it that much? Well, the Broncos have an affiliation with Redcliffe. Um, so for people that, that don't understand the Intrust Super Cup, which is obviously the premier Queensland competition, most of those clubs have an affiliation with an NRL club. So the Sunshine Coast Falcons um, are affiliated with the Melbourne Storm and they have uh, their Nepal Academy up there as well. So they've got a very strong presence on the Sunshine Coast. Moving, moving north of Redcliffe in the Moreton Bay Regional Council is the Sunshine Coast Regional Council, and you've got about five 600,000 people there um, with some, some great development programs and some good players have come, come through. Um, you know, Casey Maguire played out of there. Um, there's, there's a couple of, at the moment. I think the Canberra Raiders um, uh, hooker is, is from there. Uh, I think it's a Corey has come out of that. What a lot of people don't recognise, though, is you go west as well um, through kind of beyond Ipswich and into Toowoomba. There's 7,000 juniors, um, particularly in, in Toowoomba, where, say, the Western Mustangs are vying for Intrust Super Cup licence themselves. Um, that's one of the biggest growth corridors of junior development participation. So you're going to find more players coming from there than, than anywhere else. And that's why we've maintained having a Brisbane Metro-based team, you can reach north through the Moreton Bay Council. And you're right, it's a huge growth opportunity and there's some great players in the feeder system there. But you can also then go west into the Western Mustangs and, and Ipswich. And that's why we've always maintained not to pick a regional team. Don't, don't go for a Redcliffe because you've completely polarised yourself north and ignored Redland Bay on, on the water on the eastern side of Brisbane right through Ipswich and west of Toowoomba into the Lockyer Valley, why would you alienate yourself from that, that growth opportunity and vice versa? Why would you put a team in, in the western side of Brisbane in Ipswich, which is 45, 50 minutes out, and then polarise that great growth corridor that you re- referred to? So being a metro-based, you can reach in both directions and, and have two Intrust Super Cup affiliations and and provide more opportunities for young players coming through to, to cut their teeth at a grassroots and then move through into an NRL level. And that, that's why we've maintained that if it's not the Brisbane Bombers, it needs to be a Brisbane Metro team because it will give the most amount of opportunity for for, for young players to come through and, and move through an elite academy system that isn't the Broncos where there's four or 500 kids coming through. You've actually got uh, an opportunity to double the amount of, of – uh, development programs and elite pathways in all directions to come through. So 
it's um it's something we're very mindful of and and Scott as I said Scott Sattler's there you know, he, he understands it he's um, commentates in the Intrust Super Cup and once you understand those pathways and you can put some programs in and around it you can become very successful very quickly and uh, just to expand on that a little, the the great um, Cyril Connell, late Cyril Connell, who was one of the all-time great recruiters for the Broncos, understood that better than anyone. And, you know, he, he's picked some of the Broncos' greatest players over the years, and that just came through great recruitment and selection processes. Now, you talked earlier about the funding that was going to come through the NRL and NRL clubs uh, wanted to get the extra $3 million a year on top of their salary cap. So at, at some point, there needs to be uh, – the NR, the current NRL clubs need to be shown why it's good to have not only an extra team in the competition, but an extra team in Queensland. Um, have you done studies that show uh, how much extra broadcasting revenue and general sponsorship will be brought into the competition if your consortium gets this license and have you also done studies on why they would be better to bring into the competition compared to a team in Perth or a team in Adelaide or even a team, another team in New Zealand? It's a very loaded question. I know. I'm, I'm sorry. It's a pointed <laughs> one, but it's just... Unpack it a little. Well, look, let's break it down. So in, in terms of broadcast, you've got a Brisbane um, team currently playing uh, on a Friday or a Thursday night, you know, when when they're at home at Suncorp Stadium, it's uh, generally it's a Thursday or Friday night. They had one Sunday game last year. That for a draw card for Queensland in particular in terms of a TV audience can only get picked once a week for obvious reasons. Bringing in another Brisbane team now doubles that opportunity for that audience to to pick up and you may pick up even bigger numbers because there's people that just don't like the Broncos, obviously, but the reality is you're now concentrating the market. So for example, if there's 16 teams in the competition and you add a 17th team, yes, there's no extra game. So there's no extra revenue, but because of the 17th team coming in, there will be a buy. And so for example, if we take the West Tigers out of the broadcast, does another Brisbane team coming in and playing and dropping the West Tigers out increase the viewership? Well, absolutely it does because uh, Queenslanders and particularly Southeast Queenslanders will, will tune in as opposed to watching West Tigers play on a Sunday afternoon. So the broadcast revenue absolutely will go up. Um, compare that to a, a Perth team. That's uh, not my position to comment, but Peter Volandis has said he's not interested in looking at Perth and, I'd say when you see the numbers from the NRL nines in the preseason tournament, where I think they got ten thousand on day one and fourteen thousand on day two, you'd have to argue maybe the appetite's not there in Western Australia. Um, but that's not for me to comment on. In terms of driving commerciality, well, you've got the Broncos uh, about fifteen, sixteen million dollars in in commercial sponsorship um, annually. Manly Seagulls are $2 million, um, 2 to $3 million in commercial sponsorship. When the Titans came in in 2007, they wrote $14 million in commercial sponsorship um, as, as the new team. So absolutely, a new Brisbane team will drive more commercial dollars, will drive more broadcast um, revenue for the game. And from what I understand, um, the commission's done that and has made the allowance for a new team to come in. 
and speculative, and I'm not saying this is fact, but I would suggest that's why Peter has flagged 2022 as his preferred choice, being the back end of the Channel 9 deal or the existing five-year deal. And perhaps another Brisbane team will be in in the competition and drive that value further north. So come at some point in 2022, a renegotiation comes in for Channel 9 and it just drives the value north and, you know, all 16 or 17 clubs benefit from that. And I would suggest that's the strategy that the commission's leaning towards. Is there one other bid that's out there at the moment that you're worried about that might take that one extra spot away from you? Oh, short answer, no, and I, I don't say that arrogantly. Um, I think you can only control what you can control. Um, growing up with rugby league, I spent plenty of time at Dolphin Oval and uh, where Redcliffe based themselves out of and Cougar Eye Oval where Winner Manly is. And um, I live very close to the East Tigers. Um, they have Suzuki Stadium or Langlands Park. And they're all doing the exact same thing we're doing. They, they love the game and they want to see it grow, and they've got their reasonings to, um, I guess, participate in uh, an expansion. I wouldn't say I'm, I'm worried. I, I think ultimately I want to see what's best for the game. And, you know, I say that humbly and sincerely, having grown up with it. My late father um, was the managing director of the Queensland Rugby League for, for 30 years, and I've just grown up with the game. And... If the commission decides to go a different way and they say, guys, look, well done on trying for 10 years, but this is the pathway we're going and it's not you, of course I'd be extremely disappointed, um, you know, on a personal level. But I think you've just got to got to trust what the commission's doing and I think the leadership that they've got right now is are the right people in the right spot um, and you just, just go with it. But look, one thing I will say is I wouldn't be surprised if another five or six bidders come out of the woodwork the moment that the expansion mm-hmm. is formally announced. Um, look, there, there's a few people I'm surprised haven't put their hand up already um, that I'm aware of in, in the Brisbane market and the Australian sporting market. So you, you'll find it won't be the Bombers and Easts and Redcliffe. It will be half a dozen to a dozen consortiums putting their hand up because Brisbane is a very good market. It's a very good business case. Um, and people do love the game. And, yeah, I, I think it would be a testament um, to having another team if you find that there's a dozen or so um, bidders that come out, which inevitably there will be. Oh, you can back yourself. North Sydney will have one. <laughs> I was getting the, the same. Mighty man. <laughs> Billy Wolf, part of our, uh, our consortium and has been, he's on the board of um, the North Sydney Bears. And to be honest, I... I the, I feel for them more than anyone. They've been going since 2004 for a new team. And um, from all reports, they were right in the mix as the Central Coast Bears when the Titans got the licence in 2005. Um, there was themselves, I think, a bit out of Wellington, um, you know, and the Titans or the Gold Coast bid as it was. And uh, from from all reports, Central Coast, you know, was backed by John Singleton. They had a stadium. I think they had... Um, you know, Blue Tongue Brewery behind them. They had sponsors in Mortgage House. They they had a very strong case and they've still been going and I think they've tried to buy the Titans. Um, you know, I think think they'd move the North Sydney Bears to Brisbane if they could have a crack. But, um, yeah, look, there, there's plenty of bidders out there and, you know, I'm, I'm a bit of a traditionalist. I, I wouldn't mind seeing the um, the Bears running around, to be honest, at some point. As to how that looks, I'm not sure how they fit in into the current structure. If you found that the NRL got to a point where there was a club that fell over, a current club that fell over, 
and there wasn't necessarily a chance to take that club over, but the NRL took back the license. Um, would you be willing to step in in that capacity and become the 16th club? Looking into a crystal ball, and this is just you know uh, me speculating again, I think there will be 16 clubs um, in, in the next three three or four years. I don't think we'll see a 17th um, club and a, and a buy. I, I think that will be the ARL Commission's directive to have 16 teams. It's not in their interest to be funding a, a team long-term and not getting extra revenue for it. Go even further on the, on the speculation, perhaps it might even be 14. I, um, yeah, it's, again, not my place um, to suggest who should go, but I would say that nine teams in Sydney in a very condensed market, um, it, what's congested, I should say, is just too many. Mm. Um, four teams in Western Sydney is, is a very congested market. But, again, you look at some of those great great names in Parramatta, Penrith, Canterbury, you know, Western Suburbs, Magpies, and the Belmain Tigers is the merger. You have to be... Uh, a very, very strong leader to force one of those out. Um, you know, I've heard plenty of speculation that the the Sharks and St George might be a, a merger down the track, and I, I, I don't know, but I, I would say it would be 16 teams. Um, so if a licence got revoked, um, you know, and a team merged, it would essentially just be the same thing as what Peter's talking about and just issuing a new licence to a new team. But certainly don't want to swoop like vultures and, and say, oh, if this team goes, we'll, we'll we'll take their license. I don't think that's the right way, and I don't think anyone with rugby league in their heart would really want to get a team in at the demise of, you know, a team that might have a hundred plus years of history. I don't think that's the way I'd like to quote unquote win. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can only play what's in front of you, can't you? And I think most people would agree nine teams in Sydney is just too many. Is would there be if a team? put their license up for sale would the bombers be interested in buying that license you'd have to look at it and it's it's, it's a really good question um mm. you know what is a license worth mm. um it's i mean it has to be worth something doesn't it because it, yeah. it generates tv revenue gives you an opportunity uh, i i think if that was the case, it would be the NRL because ultimately the NRL issues the license. So if you treat it like a franchise, for example, and say McDonald's hands out a license to use the McDonald's brand, it, it essentially runs on a, on a rotating basis. So you have a five-year license, and then at the end of that, they can choose not to renew that license to you in very much the same way. You know, the the NRL controls um, the game and can revoke a license and then reissue it. So I think buying it as such is it would be low on the priority list. But, you know, if a club was in dire straits and said, well, look, take it off us and we'll, we'll continue in the Canterbury Cup um, in the statewide competition, you'd, you'd have to explore all options. But hopefully we don't get to that point. You know, I'm, I'm a bit of a purist. I'd like to see the... Uh, the clubs as they are stand, um, but as I said, I, I still think that the, the league at some point will pull it back to ensure that there's eight games a weekend with, and, and no one's having a buy. Yeah, there was news that came out this week that um, the NRL clubs knocked back the COVID um, relief fund that the NRL put forward and demanded more money. Is that something that concerns the Bombers big, given that when the clubs asked for more money in the past, there was so much money that it actually stopped 
your team getting up. Do you think this is going to happen again if this if this comes through and they you know, they all get this large payday? I think it frustrates just rugby league fans in general. You know, there's people that pay big money for memberships and jerseys and corporate boxes and you know right through to sponsorship and. You know, when, when people are parting with their money and looking for their entertainment and, you know, rugby league clubs need to be run as a business, you, you can't keep getting charitable handouts. You know, it's no successful business model, you know, operates itself on government funding and, and says, well, we're, we're going to survive because we're going to keep getting money handed to us. I get frustrated as, you know, a business operator, let alone a rugby league fan, when I see that happening and saying, well, give us money or, you know, we're, we're not going to be able to survive. I think Peter Volandis, when he said when they were looking at the post-COVID-19, he said we were looking at a 10-team comp. Um, six teams mightn't have made it through. So I think that says something about the commission's mindset when they start talking 10-team comps. That's how much they want to keep handing out money hand over fist and, yeah, I'd say by the end of the decade, um, and hopefully the Bombers are in, you'll find that there won't be any payments to the clubs above the cap. The salary cap will get paid to the clubs to give to the players, and there won't be any additional funding. And I think that's the way it should be. If you know some of these clubs are over 100 years old, and you have a look at their average crowds, and they haven't moved in 20 years where the population's doubled, something is fundamentally wrong with that business model. And... I, I get incredibly frustrated as a rugby league fan where you, you see the game being held back and held back and our competition is growing and, you know, we've got a, a genuine competition in the AFL running nationally and we still predominantly run in three states, bar taking state of origins and one-off test matches elsewhere. And I'm sure you can attest that's incredibly frustrating when you love the game. We just can't live off grants from the NRL anymore. We need to see standalone clubs. And, and that's what I've, I've put forward to the commission to say, if we get the license, our structure is strong enough that we will not be expecting any handouts. I, I tell you what, Nick, it's really amazing to hear somebody that wants to be involved in the game as a club administrator speak the way you're speaking, because we don't hear it. It's like so refreshing to hear somebody that wants to run an NRL club talking about the greater good of the game and the current models and trying to do better. Like we just don't hear about that within the sport. So it's fantastic to hear you say that. Um, it's just refreshing. I'm sure Andrew agrees, don't you, Andrew? Oh yeah. I was actually sitting there listening to you thinking any chance you can take over Greenberg's job. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, I'm, I don't think I'm thick skinned enough yet just to cop all that criticism from, from the media. What I, what I would say... Oh, just get us to do all that. We'll look up yeah, that for you. <laughs> we'll let you ask the easy questions. I think uh, when when you run a club and a rugby league club, it's traditionally, and you go back to the 80s and, you know, the old New South Wales rugby league where, you know, you've got Parramatta and Penrith and Canberra and, and Canterbury. A lot of the clubs have been funded by leagues clubs. And, you know, to, to look to the future, you've got to understand the past. And... The, the rugby league clubs were funded by pokies and um, pokey machine revenues, and that's what funded the clubs. Inevitably, what's happened, and this is where the Broncos, for example, have, have been incredibly successful and need to be mindful to take, you know, the, the extreme example of, you know, the most successful club. But there's lessons to be learned there. And in any business model, 
It's about creating multiple sources of revenue. So where do I get my membership? Corporate, commercial, game day, fan experience. Um, yeah, the Broncos have a leagues club as well. When you just have a leagues club, so, you know, t- take a um, – I'll say any of those New South Wales clubs that have struggled when you're losing $65 million combined across nine clubs, it's because their business model hasn't adapted to 2020. It's stuck in 1986 where, you know, we'll spend X amount on football and we'll get the pokies to prop us up. The problem is pokey revenue is on a decline. Um, government legislation with smoking and operating hours, et cetera, puts more pressure on that. So now your revenue is decreasing even further. And a lot of those clubs start to chase premierships by throwing more and more money at football departments. And inevitably, this is what's happened with that $3 million above the cap or 30% as it is. That's been put into football programs. So you, you need to come up with a business model that's better than just let's spend as much money as we can and try and win a premiership and the pokies will fund the rest. You need to come up with a sustainable business model. And part of that is looking at what your ability to sell membership and corporate and commercial partnerships. And that all comes back to, as I said before, you have to win games. And that's what the Broncos have done. You know, living in Brisbane, people expect them to win. And when they perform like they have the last couple of weeks, it's just not acceptable. And people said, say, no, that's not the Broncos. We expect more. And inevitably, that's the way the Bombers will operate is we will recruit well as best we can. Um, for football and our development and our coaching staff. We'll give ourselves the best shot to win and we'll have some very strong commercially-minded models to ensure that, you know, we aren't crying out for grants because I can't see that being there. We've done some 10-year modelling and and some of that um, focuses on not having any surplus um, monies beyond the salary cap provided to us. And the moment we start planning for that or trying to live off that, that, I guess, charity gift, as I'd like to call it, you're going to play behind the eight ball before you even start. Now, looking at something a little bit more fun, um, you start thinking about who there would be that you would want in a second Brisbane team. Now, I know you can't get into specifics, but would Cameron you... Comes... <laughs> yeah. Just him and Callum Pong up. Yeah. <laughs> just a... Jason Talmalolo, let me tell you. Right? As, <laughs> yeah. as long as it's no Penrith plays, just leave my boy... Nathan Cleary, where he is, all right? Well, um, I don't think he'd, uh, he'd be able to do his TikTok videos up here. <laughs> <laughs> um, have Do you have a general idea about what what you would want the first side to look like? Would you want it to be a younger team? Would you want it to have a sprinkling of older players in the team? Or would you completely leave that up to someone like Scott Sattler to sort out? Because, as you said, he did a really good job when the Titans were put together when they come into the competition. That was probably the best Titans team they ever had. But is there a general thing in your mind of what sort of team you'd like to have? Yeah, well, I mean, coming back to the Titans, people forget they made the preliminary final in 2010. The Roosters Mm. beat them for a spot in the grand final. So they were only four years old and they almost made uh, the grand final. So the the squad that they developed in 2007 was was exceptionally strong. And, you know, obviously they've um, struggled since, but you've got to win. Um, From day one, I'm not saying you're going to win the comp or, or make the top four in your first year, but... You can't come out and compete in Brisbane against the Brisbane Broncos and finish outside the top eight. You you can't finish 12th or 13th in your first year 
and claim that as a success. So if you put a young side in, and this is what the Broncos are finding now, I mean, some of the names they've got in there are fantastic names, um, and they're going to be exceptional names in, in three and four years' time. But they're a young squad with the injuries they've got. So you, you need a mix. You do need a sprinkling. So, you know, we, we've, we've said Cameron Munster's off contract in 23. Um, if the, the timing lined up for the Brisbane Bombers, I've made – no secret, he would be an absolute perfect signing. He's a Queenslander. I think he's a future state of origin captain. Um, yeah, he's got a bit of mongrel in him. He's got a little bit of colour in terms of his personality. He's he's not boring. Um, a guy like Victor Radley, I don't know if you, you saw the Roosters-Broncos interview post-game. He's just a colourful character and you'd like a couple of those. But in terms of talent, um, Scott's put together a target list for 2022 um obviously it's a short runway so not everyone's going to be available or off contract as opposed to 2023 but going back to the titans um they signed a great halfback in scotty prince they had a live wire in preston campbell who'd won a premiership um you know luke bailey was one of the most dominant forwards and they built some really good fringe players as i said lafranchi minicello harrison came along in their second year um, you know, Matt Rogers was a dual international, not a bad squad to start your, your inaugural season. And I think, look, you want an engine room, um, you want a great one, six, seven, and nine, um, but you're not going to get everyone that you want. So you need some really strong leadership. Personally, I'm passionate about um, signing a Queenslander. Um, but to be honest, if you keep winning, I don't think people really care who's in your squad. You know, you mentioned you're a, you're a Penrith fan and they had a great win in a shutout tonight. You know, you just want to see your club win yeah. um, and and who you do with, do that with. Um, I'd even be a little bit controversial and I'd say I'd love to poach a guy like a Boyd Cordner or a Wade Graham who are diehard blues. Um, but they're just such game breakers that if you could grab one of those two names, I think you'd be hard-pressed to, to go too better than having a, a Cordner or a... Um, a monster, but you know, I like having a look at young guys come through the Intrust Super Cup. Um, a hooker uh, debuted out of the West Tigers last week, Harry Grant. Uh, I think he'll be a state of origin player in in the next season or two. Um, he'd be a guy that you'd love to sign. But Scott's built up a great program, and we've got about thirty or forty players in our sites um, at the moment that you know are a mix of, as you say, a sprinkling of, of talent and. And young men coming through, and and that's ultimately what you need. You can't you can't have too many old heads like the Crushers and sign Mark Cohn and Mario Fennick and Craig Teven and the Axe to start with. Um, you you need you need a good mix of um, young guys coming through, but you can't make them too young, or you'll find yourself in the spot the Bronx were last night, where they just get belted against you know it's men against boys. Mm-hmm. So we've talked about players. Have you got your eye on a coach? We've it's been well documented that we've chased Craig Bellamy. Um, again, uh, Belly and the the timing may not line up depending on when expansion is. Um, and, and Craig's made it very openly publicly. He he may not even want to coach um, beyond his his stint at the Storm. I, I guess it's difficult because without you know criticizing any NRL coaches. There's a big gap between probably the top four coaches in the NRL and everyone else. I think mm-hmm. if you you have a look at Michael Maguire, Des Hasler, Craig Bellamy, Trent Robinson, you know, and Wayne Bennett, there's there, there is a big gap between 
those names and the next, I guess, crop of names. So it's there is only limited opportunities for seasoned coaches. The other argument you might look at is to sign a, um, you know, a, a seasoned guy like a Craig Bellamy, for example, and, and have him oversee and get in a rookie coach. Um, you know, we've got some some really good rookie coaches and, you know, Shane and Ben Walker, for example, coach um, out, out at um, Ipswich. And I think they've been hard done by to not get a crack at the NRL. Um, a guy like Justin Holbrook at the Titans um, is, a, is an amazing coach. And I just think once they get their, their calibre of players coming through over the next year or two and he gets the squad that he wants, you'll get to see his abilities to, um, in. So answer directly, no, we don't have a contract in place, but small thing called an NRL licence that probably needs to come before that. And then, um, you know, we can have those those discussions with you know, coaching staff that would be available pending when the team would come in. The uh, the only bit of advice I could give you is when you're looking for wingers, forget everywhere else. You just fly to Fiji. And get <laughs> the first two dudes that you see and bring them back because they'll be amazing. They always are. Um, I, I'm always blown away with the Melbourne Storm. They just seem to produce winger after winger after yeah. winger. And they just become cult figures. And these guys, you know, 19, 20 years old and – the hardest part for the Storm is they just keep producing these superstars and then, you know, obviously there's there's a lot of competition to keep them. But I agree, just the the speed and the skill set and, you know, their, their live wires. And I, I think people like to see that, you know, the rugby league fans love to see those, you know, huge wingers that, you know, can run 100 metres in 11 seconds and, you know, they're 110 kilos and, and jumping eight feet in the air and scoring tries. It's... I think it's added a real element of flair to our game, but you are right. I, I'd love to see the the Brisbane Bombers have a uh, hulking Fijian winger. Um, we might have to uh, have a holiday in Fiji once COVID's over. Can you can you get through that though? A holiday in Fiji, looking for wingers, we'd be all right. <laughs> <laughs> Do you need any help over there? Yeah. Do you all need right, some well, scouts? I'd tell you what, we might have to scout the Penrith ranks first and uh, poach a few hey, of your, your team. Hey. And, uh, hey. How dare you? <laughs> just, just don't touch my team. No, it's look. I, I think look, just to digress a little bit. You know, there are so many great players that haven't had a chance in the NRL yet. Um, you know, you have a look at the quality of players that have gone to Super League and um, the talent coming through in the Intrust Super Cup and the Canterbury Cup. You know, as I said, um, Harry Grant, for example, he's been a player that's been on the fringe. Or Billy Walters, um, you know, has been in the Intrust Super Cup and, and dominating. Um, but they just haven't had a chance, and they've had to move to Sydney and relocate. Having another team would just open up those doors, and you know the, these young men can stay in their own backyards and, and show their wares on a, on a national scale. So I don't think we have to go to Fiji. I think we've got plenty of talent locally. But yeah, to your point, it's uh, it is exciting. I think when you see those hulking Fijian wingers, and the Storm do it the best. I was going to say it's. Um... It seems to be somewhat of an untapped market, actually, is those Pacific Islands. And as much as we've got a lot of Pacific Island players in there, it doesn't seem like the clubs are going too far into those markets. They're just sort of waiting for those players to come to them a bit. Would you be looking to be a bit more proactive there and try and jump the gun on that and get all of that talent, especially from the likes of Tonga, Samoa, Fiji, even Papua New Guinea? I've got a few players starting to come into the NRL. Yeah, well, you, and you'll find it'll keep happening. I mean, obviously, the PNG Hunters um, are in the Intrust Super Cup and uh, Fiji, um, you know, have their, their licence there in the New South Wales Cup. 
You'll find Vanuatu as a Pacifica 13. Um, we'll enter, I know, the QRL. Uh, very interested to see a team come out of Vanuatu um, in the Pacifica 13 over the next couple of years. With the rise of, of uh, Tonga and Samoa and Cook Islands, and obviously, you know, Tonga beat Australia for the first time ever last year, you're going to see more Pacific Islanders playing the game. And, in fact, there's more Polynesian players than there are Queenslanders in the NRL. Yeah. So that, that will only continue to grow. Um, yeah, as, as the game changes, and I think we've already seen with the new six again rule, um, size may become a disadvantage in the back end of the game and agility and fitness, um, which obviously, you know, is more suited to a lighter frame, um, may suit a little better. So we might find that, you know, some of those bigger players and, you know, talking about, you know, 100 kilo Fijians, that that may have to change a little bit in the way teams structure their recruiting because the game will become faster and it will become more about fitness um, and less about force and, and um, I guess, just the brutality of rugby league might come back a little bit. But um, to answer you directly, yes, Absolutely. Pacifica 13, PNG and Fiji, they're getting more opportunities to show their players. I think you'll see more and more of those um, those um, countries represented in, in the National Rugby League. So Cameron Munster and Harry Grant, captain, co-captain. I like the sound of this. Brisbane Bombers 2023, yeah? Yeah, lock it in for your fantasy team now. I reckon there's 200 points between them. Beautiful. Sounds great to me. You get uh, kick out one one back no, row. No. <laughs> yeah, Wade Graham and the other and have Tormalolo locked. That'll be the best oh, back row you'll ever we'll, have in World we'll in World Rugby League's history. Players. And we just can't get an injury because we're playing with seven players on the field. We've just blown our cap. Uh, you won't need anybody else. You got those three there. Everyone else can just be as I say, just get a few blokes off the plane in Fiji. You'll be fine. Yeah, well, unfortunately, you can't have everyone. Yeah, it'd be be nice to cherry pick and and uh, and build your dream team, but you know you have to make some concessions somewhere. What's the funnest part of all of this for you? Because like you're you're obviously like a. a a rugby league fan that likes the positive side of it, which is great to see. What's the part of this that is just so much fun for you that you sort of, when you're doing all this, you're like, man, I can't believe I'm doing this. This is great. It's, it's really interesting. I mean, there's the commercial side and the business side of it. And, you know, again, we don't have the license yet. So there's a delicacy to that. For me personally, I can't speak for the whole bid. Um, A few years ago, we brought up the, um, the Melbourne Storm and the Canterbury Bulldogs to play a game at Suncorp Stadium uh, just to show the NRL at the time, look, we can get two and a half, three thousand corporates and we can get 12,000 people to a game in February where Brisbane's not playing. And being able to just impact um, disadvantaged people. So we did some dressing room tours with um, some kids that had gone through a hard time and they got to meet Billy Slater and got to run the ball out and you're giving out caps to to kids that, you know, didn't have shoes on their feet, um, giving away some merchandise during some training camps and just just seeing rugby league being able to transcend socio-demographics and backgrounds. And I, I enjoy that more than anything because it, it doesn't discriminate. Anyone can pick up the ball and, and have a pass and play some touch footy or, you know, participate in TRL right through to, to full contact. And 
you know, having grown up with the game and, you know, watching my father, my late father give, you know, his entire life to the game, it just transcends so many different aspects of the community. And I find that the most enjoyable part, that it doesn't matter who you are, what your background is, that rugby league can connect to you. Um, and, and there's just something very pure about that. And I think in 2020, you know, where everything is so transactional, um, you know, everything's so um, dispensable and we just want it now, there's just something very pure. And I really hope in 100 years' time, rugby league is still the same, where it impacts people and changes lives. And that more than anything with the Bombers, to be part of something that can can do that brings me the most joy. Um, everything else is, you know, it's, it, it's nice and, yeah, it's part of the bigger goal. But in terms of just being humbled by it and impacting, um, that part brings a lot of joy. And I hope I never lose that if, if we are fortunate enough to get the licence. I, I really hope we can we can genuinely change people's lives through through our great game. Well, mate, it's been absolutely brilliant to have you on. You've been a, a great guest. Um just let everyone know, you can check out the Brisbane Bombers website, www.brisbanebombers.com.au. Um, you got social media as well, do you, mate? Yeah, we're on Facebook as BNE Bombers, Instagram as BNE Bombers, um, and Twitter as well. Um, we try not to troll the Broncos too much yet um, through those social media <laughs> sites. But, um, gents, just appreciate you doing the journey with us and, and for people listening as well. You know, it's, it's about growing the game, getting more people participating, more people watching, more people going to games. So, look, hopefully uh, one day we can have the, the Bombers in the comp and we'd love to get you both along and maybe we can uh, do something to promote the very first game with your podcast. Um, appreciate your support on the journey as well. We're more than happy to do that. Yeah, we'd love to. And let, like I'm sure I speak on behalf of both of us, just put us down for $5 million in front of shirt. We're good for it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, look, that position's already taken. We might ah. have to put you on the back of the shorts. Ah. That'll work. Yeah. <laughs> one I'll take one on each cheek. <laughs> I'll take the right cheek. <laughs> All right, Nathan Cleary. <laughs> yeah, <dear>. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for that. And, uh, um, yeah, good luck with the, with the bid, mate. Thanks, guys. Appreciate having me on. Great to chat. Thanks, mate.